Chapter 2 Good Dog Contrary to what Emily may have thought, Martin had noticed her. He may not have been a genius when it came to the ladies, but he had been able to put two and two together and figure out that Emily had been trying to get his attention all summer long. But he could never think of anything to say to her that didn't make him sound like a complete idiot, a stalker, or a pervert. So he kept silent and avoided her, figuring she would eventually give up on him and move on to someone else. Even though he was still a teenager, he had long ago accepted that he would probably die alone and a virgin. He was the creepy guy who no one liked. That was something he could live with and was even used to. But this short, somewhat chunky, dark-skinned girl just wouldn't leave him alone. What could she possibly see in him other than a monster? And yet, Emily lingered ever-present in his mind, to the point where she even haunted his dreams, and the dreams he had had of her were hardly pure or innocent. Sometimes she's on all fours before him. They're both naked. He is hard, and she is dripping wet. There is no foreplay. He just plunges right in, unable to stop himself. But she is tight, so incredibly tight, that it makes him wonder how he's even fit inside of her. But once she has him, there is no way she's going to let him go. She screams as her tight little body pushes back against him, her big ass jiggling with each thrust, even as she eagerly continues to torture herself with his big, hard cock. He holds her by the curve of her hips, trying his best not to blow his load right then and there, but at the same time wants to let go and defile her, shooting her full of his venom. She shows no restraint, her thrusts becoming even more frantic. Her movements are full of great pleasure and great agony. But she is the first to break as a shrill cry spills from her lips. Her body trembles, and then her cum splashes hot all over his stomach. He hears her sigh, and now she goes limp in his hands. And this is where the dream usually ends with him still hard and horny inside of her. There are other dreams, too. His mind is endless in its lust. In one, she is on top of him, and he likes this dream best. Her lips quiver as she screams obscenities at him. Her entire body drips with a layer of sweat. He isn't sweating at all, which is strange, considering how vigorously she rides his cock. He knows that she has come already, several times, in fact, and she is soaking wet between her legs. Despite this, she is still tight, so tight it feels like his cock is being squeezed in a vice, and that vice only tightens as her pussy milks his cock for all it's worth. He grits his teeth. It hurts, but he doesn't want it to end. She is getting off on him, and he likes making her feel good. But she is not without mercy, and now leans back. He gasps as the stranglehold around him loosens. Now his cock throbs wildly inside of her, 
making her whimper. His body shakes, ready to explode. And again, he is denied this final release, as this is where the dream ends. In another, he has buried his face in between her legs. He licks the most intimate part of her, and it's driving her crazy. She screams herself raw, and her legs won't stop shaking. But she is pushing his head down, holding him there, so that he can continue to torture her with his tongue. The taste of her is driving him wild. She tastes so sweet. She comes hard, and he drinks her in. She pushes him back, but he has left her panting. His erection is ready to rip out of his pants, but again he will be denied, and again the dream ends. She is always a tease in his dreams, greedily stealing whatever pleasure she can from him, while leaving him high and dry. But he blames himself. It's like his mind won't let him slip completely into debauchery. Always, in the aftermath of one of these sinful dreams, he wakes up to find that his cock has no shame. It throbs, almost snake-like, in want of her forbidden flesh. Defiantly, it has spit out its white, sticky venom, ruining yet another pair of his boxers. In his shame and embarrassment, he does his best to hide the evidence, burying his soiled underwear at the bottom of the clothes hamper. Still, he has to wonder what his cousin Summer thinks whenever she does a load of laundry and finds his cum-stained shorts hiding there. Back in the dreary waking world, Martin sighs. He can't believe Emily had actually approached him, let alone talk to him. He feels an almost giddy excitement about how well things had turned out. More crudely, he wonders if all his dreams are about to come true. But as Martin walks down the school hallway, the shadow of doubt races to catch up. Emily had made the first move, but the ball is now back in his court. Don't fuck this up, he tells himself. Then he shakes these dark thoughts away as he thinks of her again. His thoughts center on her lips, her perfect lips. Not too thin, but not too thick either. Just right for kissing and sucking. Martin dredged onward to his first class. He felt drenched from head to toe, and every time he sat down, he heard a loud, embarrassing squish. But never in his life had he been so glad that his last name was Zoll. Thanks to the assigned seating, it meant that he sat all the way in the back, next to the radiator. He had been shivering when he came in, but a few minutes later, he basked in the warmth of the old heater. By the third period, his clothes had mostly dried, but looking down, Martin noticed his clothes had dried in the worst possible way, making it look like he had pissed his pants. The bell rang. He reluctantly got up and raced down the hallway, enduring the snickers of the boys and the giggles of the girls. He made it to his next class, English composition with Miss Gillespie. This was the class he shared with Emily. Now in his seat, he stared at her. Emily sat in the middle of the class. He had to crane his neck a little to look over at her, while at the same time tried his best not to be too obvious about it, as he didn't want to creep her out. So he'd take a peek and then turn his head away, only to repeat the process a few seconds later. God, she's so beautiful, he thought, especially when she smiles. 
Martin thought about getting up and talking to her, but then he remembered that it looked like he had pissed his pants, so he remained firmly planted in his seat. Martin craned his head again, but when he looked away this time, he found himself staring directly at a pair of tits. These were not great tits either. They were old and saggy, much like the woman they belonged to. Fortunately, these tits were covered by a tight-fitting top. Unfortunately, the top didn't leave much to the imagination. Miss Gillespie eyed him hungrily, hoping he would return her gaze. The old woman might have been pretty once, but the years had not been kind. Her reddish-brown hair had streaked gray, and her face looked wrinkled and puffy. The old woman bent forward slightly, giving him an even better look at what she had to offer. Unlike with Emily, however, this was an offer he could refuse, which he did so now by averting his eyes. Defeated, his teacher slammed a paper face down on his desk. When he dared to look up again, he saw that Miss Gillespie had moved on and had sunk her claws into another male student a little further on. But he still wasn't safe, even from this distance. His teacher bent forward. She did this in an exaggerated manner, and now the woman's assets were on full display for the students behind her. Only the girl seemed to be safe from Gillespie's predatory gaze, as evidenced by the fact that one of the girls had had her hand up for the last two minutes, and their teacher had completely ignored her. Martin thought the girl's name was Isabella, but he couldn't be sure. What he did know was she was a Hispanic girl, but had big American breasts. Rumor was the girl was a complete slut, but Martin was hardly one to believe rumors, especially high school ones. He remembered back about a week ago, he'd been reading a book in the school library and had lost track of the time. It was late, and he had a long walk home ahead of him. He just happened to walk past Mr. Frank's classroom on the way out and had seen Isabella sitting on Mr. Frank's desk. The girl's skirt was hiked up so far that Martin could see the girl's Hello Kitty underwear. The underwear barely concealed the obscene thing slipping in and out between the girl's legs. He quickly turned and exited another way. The incident, however, had left him feeling completely frustrated, wondering how some fat old douchebag like Mr. Frank had gotten so lucky. Back in the present, Martin turned the paper over and his heart sank. C minus, he said. Although he said it quietly enough so as not to draw any attention to himself. The assignment had been to write about the most tragic moment of your life. For whatever reason, mostly because he just wanted to get it off his chest, Martin had put all his heart and soul into the essay, spilling his guts out as he detailed the shock he felt when the state police came to his door to tell him his mom had been killed in a car accident, how he had tried to laugh it off at first, thinking that his mom was just playing a joke on him, how he had nearly punched one of the cops in the face because they kept insisting it wasn't a joke. How Sheriff Joe, Emily's dad, had shown up a few minutes later, telling him to get a few things, because he was going to his Aunt Rosie's house. How he had managed to keep it together the entire car ride over, as Sheriff Joe talked to him, but never forced him to talk, for which Martin was eternally grateful. How Sheriff Joe had told his aunt to just give the kid his space tonight. Then how he had finally lost it, crying his eyes out, when he was alone in Rosie's spare bedroom. Then the rage, rage at his mom for all the terrible shit she had done to him, 
and how he'd never forgive her. Then the suicidal thoughts he had had after, because he hadn't died with her. And finally, how grateful he was to his Aunt Rosie, and even his cousin Summer, even though Summer was usually a complete bitch to him, when he needed them most. C minus, he said again, turning it over in his mind. There were no marks on the paper, no mention about any grammar or spelling errors, nor was there anything regarding the style or composition of the paper itself, but a small note down at the bottom of the page now caught his eye, which read, Stop being so goddamn depressing, talk more, and spend more money on your clothes and appearance. Then maybe you'll actually be able to get a girlfriend. Martin crumpled up the paper and dropped it onto the floor. Miss Gillespie walked towards the front of the classroom, shaking her ass a little as she did so, to the enjoyment of no one but herself. In front of her class now, Miss Gillespie fumbled with the top buttons of her shirt, letting another one pop open to show off the black bra underneath. So that assignment really bummed me out, she said. God, everyone has such depressing lives. She sat on the edge of her desk, her legs together for the moment, but Martin could guess they wouldn't stay that way for long. So I was thinking, Miss Gillespie said now, how about we spread some joy? Miss Gillespie licked her puffy, cracked lips and then smiled, showing off her yellow stained teeth. I want you all to write a love poem, she cried happily. The class let out a collective groan. Miss Gillespie giggled. Now, now, she said, some of the greatest works of literature were inspired by people expressing their love for one another. To everyone's surprise, her legs remained firmly shut. However, all the students could feel a strange anticipation in the air. Anticipation that bordered on dread. So what I want you guys to do, she continued, is to write a poem about someone you love. The more passionate, the better. And for you boys who don't have girlfriends, well, feel free to write about me. Her legs parted, and again the classroom let out a collective groan. Miss Gillespie laughed. She wasn't wearing any underwear today. Again, never was Martin so glad that he sat in the back of the class, but even from his vantage point, he could still see a disgusting patch of white pubic hair between the woman's legs. Martin turned away and craned his head slightly to get Emily in his sights again. She must have had the same idea and smiled when she caught his eye. The smile didn't last long as she made a disgusted face and gestured to her mouth, pretending to gag. Miss Naughton, Miss Gillespie thundered, do you have something you want to share with the class? Emily whipped her head forward. Ah, Emily said, but she was rendered speechless after that. Miss Gillespie, Martin said, coming to Emily's rescue, can you give us some examples of what you mean? Miss Gillespie lit up like a Christmas tree. Martin, she said, so nice of you to finally participate. Miss Gillespie closed her legs and hopped off her desk, smoothing out her dress in the process. She went to the whiteboard and bent over in an exaggerated fashion but her skirt was long enough that it didn't show anything too revealing. Emily turned to Martin again and mouthed the words, Thank you. After class, Martin rushed to catch up with Emily, but Emily got swooped up by a wave of girls and then pushed down the hallway. Halfway down the hall, however, she turned and flashed him a smile. Martin returned the smile and watched as she got swept further down the hall toward her next class. Martin now made his way to the cafeteria, it was his lunch period, 
but he couldn't even think about eating right now. His mind felt lost in the clouds, so lost, in fact, that he didn't even notice the human-sized wall until it appeared before him. The wall in question happened to be a boy named Trunk. Martin wasn't sure of his real name, and he doubted whether or not the big boy in front of him knew it either. Trunk was almost 20, but he hadn't advanced past the freshman level. The decent thing to do, for everyone's sake, would have been to kick him out of school. But as usual, no one noticed, and no one cared. Martin had a couple of inches on the guy, in height anyway, but Martin had nothing on the boy's girth. Trunk was a wall of muscle and fat. At Trunk's side, as always, was Billy Zebo. Billy happened to be Trunk's one and only friend. Billy also appeared to be the brains of the outfit, even though he had also been held back a couple of grades. Eleven o'clock already, fellas, Martin said, surprising himself with his boldness. Any other day, he would have just silently taken the beating. Billy looked at him as if he had lost his mind. Martin met his gaze. He was roughly the same size as Billy, and they were both thin as rails. Billy blinked and then looked away. Trunk simply grunted. Martin had no idea what he had done to earn this daily beating, but knew what was going to happen regardless. As far as Martin could piece together, he had offended some girl named Leah Carlson, who was the captain of the volleyball team. All that mattered was that Trunk was madly in love with the girl and would do anything for her, despite the fact that Leah had been outed as a lesbian. So Leah had probably sent Trunk to beat him up that first time, and after that had forgotten all about it. But Billy really got off on seeing his friend beat people up, and it was Billy that encouraged it now. Could you guys hold on for a second, Martin said, and again marveled at his boldness. He had balls of steel today. Billy's mouth fell open in surprise as Martin took off his glasses and put them in his pocket. Martin knew they weren't going to hit him in the face, but they might break his glasses, and neither he nor his Aunt Rosie could afford a new pair. Martin also knew the reason why they weren't going to hit him in the face, as he had overheard Billy explain it to Trunk one day. See, if we hit him in the face, Billy said, then people are going to know he was in a fight. But if we hit him somewhere where it doesn't show, then we can claim he just fell down the stairs. My brother does it all the time to his bitch of a wife. It's called plausible deniability. Let's try something different, Martin said now, as he stepped a little closer to Billy. Billy quickly hid behind his friend. Get him, Trunk, Billy cried, his voice a high-pitched screech. Get him! Trunk rolled his hands into fists and struck out, aiming for Martin's stomach like he always did. But Martin had been ready for him and stepped back at the last second. Trunk struck nothing but empty air, and the momentum carried him forward, causing him to fall flat on his enormous gut. Martin sidestepped Trunk, and then advanced forward. Again, he marveled at just how well this was going for him. This really was turning out to be one of the best days of his life. Get away from me, Billy cried, in the same high-pitched voice as before. You stay away. Martin made like he was going to punch Billy in the face, and Billy immediately threw up his hands to protect himself. Plausible deniability, Martin said, and then burst out laughing. His laughter was cut short as strong hands grabbed him from behind. Trunk wasn't strong enough to pick him up, but it didn't hurt any less when Trunk pushed him face down into the floor. Martin rolled onto his back, blood gushing from his nose. We're really gonna mess you up now, Billy screamed. Billy rushed forward, kicking Martin hard in the ribs. 
You stupid faggot, Billy screamed. Martin wheezed and coughed, which only made the pain that much worse, but he didn't dare pass out. God only knew what they would do to him then. Though the pain lost some of its sting when Martin spotted the enormous bulge in Billy's pants, which Martin found kind of funny as Billy continued to scream the word, Faggot! To Martin's surprise, it was Trunk who pulled Billy away. This isn't over, Billy hissed as he struggled against Trunk's grip. Trunk continued to pull his friend away, leaving Martin to fend for himself. It took him a while to get up, and he wheezed the entire time getting to his feet. He started to head towards the nurse's office, but then stopped. The nurse would probably call an ambulance, and if he went to the hospital, then he'd miss out on any chance he had of getting laid tonight. He threw up, coughing up blood and bile onto the floor, but felt better after. At least they didn't kick me in the balls this time, Martin thought, as he wheezed his way down the hallway, towards the cafeteria.